Domestication of pigs took place in China around 7,500 BC. China is still the largest producer of pigs. From marinating, roasting, grilled, skewer, dry rub, boiled, baked, barbecued, pan-fried, or stir-fried, pork is considered the most versatile meat. The average American will eat the equivalent of 28 pigs in their lifetime. That's about 3,200 pounds. And this is Yoma's Cooking Cast. You're listening to Yoma's Cooking Cast podcast dedicated to teaching home cooks how to improve their skills in the kitchen and share a mutual appreciation for food. Welcome to Yom's Cooking Cast. I'm James Yominator. And I'm Andre Fernandezinator. It didn't work. <laughs> I tried. I tried. Oh, that, was great. that was great. Hey, James. What's up? What are we talking about today? We're talking about the majestic pig. I do love me some piglets. So pork is a really big topic, um, obviously for you and I. But in general, there's probably three hours we could talk about pork. We're going to kind of break this pork subject up to some different pieces. No pun intended. <laughs> I was just thinking, this is just, the puns are out of control yeah. right now. Pork is so great. It's it's the cutest animal that you don't mind eating because it tastes good. It tastes better than it is cute. God. <laughs> and that is our podcast. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Oh man. Hey, if you get an email about canned ham contaminated with COVID-19, just be careful it's spam. That's <laughs> <laughs> good, right? That was it's so stupid. I, I had you. You did have me. All right. We're going to talk a little bit about how pork works in our culture and how it works with um, our everyday. Also, a little bit of your common cuts and not so common cuts going through some details in that. So James, did you eat a lot of pork in Puerto Rico? Yeah, pork is king in Puerto Rico. Is it really? That's what that video you showed me said. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know many other meats that have a national board. And if they do, I'm just ignorant of them. Pork has come a long way. It has a lot of significant in a lot of other cultures. In the United States, I, pork is rather popular at home. It's not something very popular outside of the home. I'm not entirely sure why. Sometimes, I guess the perception of pork might be it's cheap. It's um, a low-grade cut. It's a low-grade meat. So, you know, you cook it at home. You buy it for yourself and your family. Uh, and you don't, but you don't necessarily order it in restaurants. So you won't see a lot of restaurants with many pork items that are like American restaurants, if you will, or like steakhouses or anything like that. Now, in other cultures, like, you know, Hispanic culture or the Caribbean, you know, in the Caribbean, we have pork everywhere. And it's kind of the center plate, at least for when I was growing up, of festivities and parties and holidays and gatherings. And, you know, whether it's in a cajachina or whether it's, you know, pernil, that's your, the highlight of, of what we were gathering around. And then everything else was, you know, all delicious things that accompanied it. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I, I think... Growing up, my mom would make pretty much every different ethnicity of food. That was just, she was very good about exposure for us with different cultures from a dining perspective. 
but you know pork is not something we had all that often unless it was a special event i would say uh, you know regularly we would have bacon on the table it'd be a breakfast item we'd have canadian bacon uh, we'd occasionally have ham right when you think like a lunch meat perspective and then occasionally we'd have like pork chops or something like that but for the most part we would have pork roasts for significant events so we're talking christmas eve noche buena we we roast a whole pig and pretty much any event you can think of that would be a celebration of some sort, there was a pig, you know, a birthday, a holiday, a funeral, uh, a bris, any of those. Things. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> there are not a lot of Cuban brisses. I'm kidding. But, but anytime that we had the whole family together, that was something that we did. The a whole pig would get roasted. You know, my, my grandfather had a, uh, a cajachina, which is essentially just a giant, can you call it an oven? Kind of. The cajachina is, it's translates to China box. So it's has, it's really funny because it's such a Caribbean way of cooking it, but you're getting heat from the top instead of, mm. you know, from all over. Um, but the whole thing heats up and the inside's lined with metal. And so it's really great at holding that heat in. But it, it's sealed. A lot of times, at least from when I was growing up, if there was a cajachina involved, they would have like uh, plantain leaves or they would wrap pork in like plantain leaves uh, or banana leaves. And uh, that would kind of help it steam almost. But the mm. cajachina is wonderful. I mean, that thing will get the whole pig cooked out and then it's just absolutely delicious. Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, my grandparents had a cajachina made it a brick in their backyard. So, I mean, it, it, that's it was significant enough that they basically created this contraption, this, you know, stone oven, I guess you can call it just for cooking pig, you know? And then after my grandparents had passed, that was something that, that was a tradition that my dad kept alive for the family. You know, that's my dad had a cajachina and we'd make a pig. It's just that that was what you did to gather the family together. And a great thing too, was my grandmother used to take all of the leftovers from the pork and she would make croquetas. It's like a mozzarella stick. But instead of it being cheese, it's filled with meat. Mm, <laughs> basically, meat, meat sticks. Basically, it's a meat stick is the best way I can describe it. With seasonings, they'd make it with like a bechamel and your leftover meats. And it's just this incredible thing. My grandmother would make this plate like stacked sky high and everybody would just eat them and they'd be sandwiches. It was just incredible. But it's it was always the center of the household for us. That's awesome. Yeah, back then... We would normally have pernil Thanksgiving or Christmas or New Year's. And it was always something like, like your family did share it with everybody that came over. And then for our leftovers, we would usually make sandwiches because it's just easy. But something that I've been doing lately, because I got this really cool vertical smoker that my awesome wife got me. Two weeks ago, I smoked about five pounds of pork butt. You know, that's a lot of pulled pork. I gave some to my neighbor. We had some for dinner. And then I had like probably two pounds left of leftovers. And uh, I made uh, barbecue pork fried rice, which is like the kick that I've been on lately. And there's just a ton of flavor in there. So barbecue pork fried rice, same thing with like ribs. You have ribs left over. You can take the meat off the bones. Uh, and I think we talked about this in the last podcast about rice being a really great vessel for carrying leftovers because it's cheap. But making it like that, making it into croquetas like you've done, um, or even just making it into, you know, whatever you're making, like sandwiches, burritos, anything else. It's really a versatile ingredient. There's a restaurant chain where we grew up. And I'm not going to mention their name, but it rhymes with shmanigans. <laughs> but this place created a dish that was a rib roll. 
and they would take their rib meat and they'd put it in like a wonton deep fry it. And it is amazing. I, I still think about those now that I, you know, I, I haven't been into one of their restaurants in, I don't know, probably 15 years just because they're nowhere nearby, but man, every single time I'm in South Florida, I consider I'm like, I should go and have some really cheap bourbon and eat five orders of rib rolls and try not to black out or throw up everywhere. <laughs> but then I remember I'm an adult and I have mild responsibilities and I shouldn't do that. I haven't bought bacon in maybe four months. Oh. I ended up get, getting, I went to Publix and I pulled the butcher's head and I was like, Hey, they keep bringing out the, the pork belly, but it's like cut like an inch thick strips. I'm like, mm. no, no, no. Can I get like the whole belly? And he's like, okay, sure. So they went back there, you know, where shopping is a pleasure. And they gave me basically like six pounds of this uh, pork belly. It was awesome. So I broke it down a little bit smaller. So it fits in some containers in my fridge, but I cured it and cure it for about 10 days. There's specific salt that you have to put into it so but it has like the nitrates that from it to keep it like pink like the the way we look at pork uh bacon otherwise it just turned brown and cured which is you know if you want want it like that but anyway cured it rinsed it off let it dry in the fridge on you know uncovered and then smoked it so i have this like huge slab of smoked bacon in my freezer and i'm like oh whenever i want my own bacon i just use that slice a piece off that sounds amazing absolutely there's a place that has since closed near us, Lucky's Market. And when they opened, I, you know, I wasn't sure whether or not I was going to be excited about this grocery store. In Florida, we have a pretty strong allegiance to a grocery store where shopping is a pleasure. And this grocery store chain that opened, their opening day, they did a bacon cutting ceremony instead of a ribbon cutting ceremony. They would cure their own bacon in-house and they would do these thick cut pieces. And they had the best bacon I think I've ever had in my life. And when they uh, decided that they were closing their stores... I bought probably somewhere close to like 20 pounds of bacon. <laughs> so, which is a lot of money in bacon, in case you're wondering. But with every day that that was passing, as they were closing, they were giving another discount. So I would go in every single day and buy a few more pounds of bacon. And I finally was stuck with like just bacon uh, cuts. So it was just every like little pieces of belly cut into like little odd shapes. And it was the most amazing thing I think I've ever cooked in my life from a bacon dish, at least. If I ever make a trip out to Colorado, I'm going to go to the last Lucky's that exists just so I can get bacon from them. I think that's one of the most common items for pork that here in the, in the United States that people use. And then they re, you know, repurpose the pork fat to cook in other items. If you're not saving the grease from your bacon, you need to start. It's ridiculously easy to do. Get a small mason jar. Just really, you should filter it out, but I don't because I don't really care if I have little bits in it, but it just makes stuff taste good because bacon grease is delicious. And when you cook onions and bacon grease, it's yummy. There's more items in the store that are better cuts or different cuts of pork at the store available now than before. And I think that's a testament to like how pork is kind of coming around in our culture here in the US. But do you know where you can buy cheese and ham in India? I have no idea. The deli counter. The new deli counter. I got it. Oh, I got it. <laughs> We're actually changing this. Uh, it's just going to be Yoma's dad jokes. Gosh, that was a good one. <laughs> that was a good one. I like it. A few. I will be using that joke. Good. <laughs> I hope so. Use both of them. So, common cuts of pork. 
we know bacon. I feel like bacon's probably number one. If you if you haven't had bacon aside from religious purposes or the fact that you are a vegan, you need to stop. Just stop listening right now. Go to the grocery store and buy some bacon because there's no excuse. I don't care what age you are in life. If you're past two years old and you can understand this podcast, you should have tried bacon by now. Well, you know, pork loin is actually the most common cut. I can, I believe that. And then there's the difference between pork loin and like pork tenderloin. I don't think people understand that. And you, you'll notice it at the checkout when you're paying for it. Like, oh, okay, this is yeah. a lot more. I, I think pork tenderloin is okay. I think it's a little overrated in my opinion. I think you can get a totally lot. Totally agree. Uh, yeah, you can get a lot out of cheaper cuts that are a little more versatile. A lot of people don't realize you can make uh, Canadian bacon out of pork loin for those Canadians. I didn't know that you could make Canadian bacon out of pork loin. <laughs> I wish I knew that. Cause... Yeah, it's a, it's a lean cut of meat and you just got to cure it and smoke it and all that stuff. So there's some common cuts on the pork that people kind of get confused I think a lot of people, when they re- they think pork butt, they think it's the butt, the ass of the pork, the rear end of it, and that's not necessarily true. That's not true at all. The pork butt is on. Um, it's basically the front shoulder uh, part, and then the the rear end of pork of the pig is more is the ham. So that's where you, when you get ham, that's usually like the the back end of a pork, and then the further down the leg you go, you get the shank. And then you get the shoulder, like prosciutto. If you ever see the prosciutto, how it's shaped, that's the that's the leg with the bone in. So between pork belly, pork chops, pork ribs, loins, hams, spare ribs, those are all the common items you'll see like on menus or you usually see at the store. The Boston butt, like we just talked about earlier, is in the in the front end of the of the pig, and then bacon comes from the belly. If people didn't know that or realize that, and tenderloin, you know, comes from the center of the back. Now, the some of the things that are quite uncommon that you won't see necessarily on a lot of menus are the pork shanks or pig's feet, uh, pig ears, which is really big in Japanese culture. You, they'll like slice them really thin and then they'll like fry them or pickle them. Yeah. I can't get into it, man. I've tried it a few times. It's actually not bad. It's a, a texture thing for me. Yeah. You know, it's just a little the cartilage. Yeah. Mm. So this is going to get a little graphic, but <laughs> You can take the face off of a pig. Yeah, the cheek, the, well, no, the barbacoa. Like the, like the whole face. Yeah, you skin it. Yeah, and then you wear it as a mask. I'm kidding. Of course, you, and then you, you tell them to put the lotion in the basket. It puts the lotion in the basket. <laughs> so you cure it, you roll it, hold it tight, and then you let it cure. And then you slow cook it, cool down, and then you have porchetta, which is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And it doesn't look like face after you've you know processed it co- accordingly, but you know we're cultures that don't waste food. That's something they look at. Like we have all this the face of this animal. Like what do we do with it? And I know that a lot of people that listen might think that's really morbid, but it's going to go to waste anyway. So people that you know don't have the luxuries that we have to get a pork loin have to raise these animals themselves. Who want to get the most out of it? Well, you know a lot of those places, those pieces too. So if you think like you know my wife grew up eating. Navy beans, because they were also poor. And with navy beans, the recipe calls for a ham hock. And a ham hock is just basically like the last bit of the shoulder bone, correct? Yeah, it's the bottom piece where before the foot. There's not a whole lot of meat on there, but there is a lot of flavor. So that's something that you add into the water. So when you're making the stock for these beans or you're simmering over 
a long period of time adds tons of flavor. So I'm, I'm all for it. James, what's your favorite cut of pork? I'm a big fan of the Boston butt. Uh, pulled pork is kind of my favorite thing to have and make, especially, you know, especially for smoking it or making it with moho, which is kind of like how I grew up with it. That's probably my favorite one. Uh, and then my second favorite ones, it's been belly. Belly's the one that's kind of being in the industry and working with it has become my second close favorite. What about you? I'd say I'm torn because I think I'm usually really partial to ham. Ham is just really, really delicious. If you are able to get a whole ham instead of getting like a processed, like boneless ham at a grocery store or whatever. Ham's amazing. I'm also really fond of ribs. Ribs are that fatty, fatty indulgent part of the pig for me. And, you know, for, from a purchasing and cooking perspective, I'd probably say it's the pork loin, just because I always feel like a rock star whenever I buy a pork loin. You buy this huge piece, you can break it down into tons of different variations on how you can prepare it. Uh, and it makes you feel like you're an actual real cook. Also, it's an easy butcher item because there's no bones. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got all these awesome different cuts of pork. How do I cook them? Well, you can cook them any way you want. It's the most versatile meat, as I mentioned earlier, Andre. <laughs> Thanks, chef. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to segue. Why got to be a dick about it? I know. I'm just fucking with you. So cooking pork, there's a lot of do's and don'ts about it, just like with any other meat. One of the biggest things is, but like any meat, you're going to cook it to a certain temperature. Chicken is 165. Pork, like fish, is going to be 145. We'll get to a fish episode and talk about that. So 145 is, is where you want to hit your minimum temperature for pork. And depending on the cut, you don't want to necessarily go over that because you're going to dry out your piece of meat. But, you know, back 25 years ago, the biggest issue with cooking pork all the way or not cooking pork all the way is trichinosis. That was one of the biggest foodborne illnesses that came from from pork so 145 is should be your internal temperature when cooking pork one thing to consider though something that i recommend is if you're if you're a fan of like i hate to use the word moist but moist meats you don't want to overcook that item you want to say something don't you moist <laughs> yeah so you don't want to dry it out you want it to be moist anyway the Let's say you're roasting a, a pork loin in the oven. That's a real lean piece of, of, of pork. You're going to, what I would do is I'd get it up to 140, 141 degrees, bring it out of the oven and let it, don't cut it, don't touch it, don't put it in the fridge, don't be weird. Let that rest and carry over to 145 degrees. And you can check the temperature and make sure it gets there. Once it gets there and it holds it for at least 15 seconds, you're good to go. And, and even now, like if you go to, a restaurant you order pork chops and it's a reputable place like maybe a steakhouse you can get your pork chops a little bit under well done you can get it medium well or medium i wouldn't go any less than that personally just the, i think it's disgusting but you know if you're going to get a well done pork chop out out in a steakhouse you're going to be chewing on some leather it's going to be real dry just because you mentioned it i have to mention this so i have had a medium rare pork chop before mm -hmm. And texturally, it's very weird. Yeah. It's like it chewy. doesn't taste bad. Yeah. 
It's yeah. just, it's textually weird. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And, and that's just my opinion. I think medium well would be fine. Or if you know, like if you're aware, like, okay, it's going to probably cook and can sit in a, a window with heat before my other party's food is ready and it's going to carry over too far, then let me order it under so that it gets to the right temperature. You know, just thinking a little bit of quality versus, um, you know, ahead of the game in a way. Yeah, I'd say reheating pork is always my biggest struggle that I've progressively gotten better with because, all right, once there's nothing like cooking a good pork chop to the right temp, 145 uh, that day. And then the next day, if you decide that you're going to cut it up and like throw it in the microwave like you would a piece of chicken, yeah, it is the worst. Mm-hmm. It's my best John Ralphio impersonation. <laughs> I will, however, stick it in a toaster and bring it back up to temp at 375 in my toaster oven until it hits 145 again. And usually it's still pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I'd be careful with that. I think it depends. You know, if it's a solid piece of meat, sure. If it's ground, then I would definitely go to 165 for that. Ground. Oh yeah. I guess that makes sense. People do have ground pork sausage, pork sausages. That's one of my pork bacon, bacon fat. And por- ground pork is like the secret ingredient to my meatballs. Oh, I like meatballs. Mm-hmm. So with those delicious and common cuts of pork, when you're cooking them, I'm assuming you're not going to cook a pork chop the same way that you would a pork butt. No, they're two different items. Pork butt's just layered with fat and lots of long fibers of muscle that need a lot of time and a, and a consistent temperature to cook down and break down those fibers to be not as chewy and tough. So pork butt's going to be more like your pulled pork, low and slow smoker barbecue. Your pork chops are going to be like your, I guess you could say refined items that you'd sell at like a nice restaurant because it's a singular piece of meat. There's just only a certain amount of yield that you're going to get out of one that can, that can fit for that. It's a leaner piece of meat. It's a little more desirable as far as menu item goes. And it's also, I think that's where like the other white meat came from, mm-hmm. you know, versus the pork butt. It's, it's very fatty and it's, I, it's my favorite because it is the fatty and it has more it's flavor delicious. in my opinion. Yeah. But I think, you know, you're looking at different parts of the pig. You're also going to have to consider different parts of how those different ways of how those parts are going to get cooked. So let's say I go to the grocery store. I buy myself a pork chop. Do you recommend I cook it? on my grill? Do you recommend that I cook it in the oven, the stovetop, uh, out back over a roaring flame, like a caveman? Like, what do you, what do you think is the best way to approach it? If you're in Hawaii, you can do the Kalua pork, which they cook in the ground, but (laughs) (laughs) for our contiguous USA listeners, I would, I would not put it, I would not put pork chops in the oven. That's just a bad idea. I think if it's a really thick cut, you can cook it in a pan, get a sear on both sides and put that in the oven. Mm-hmm. Sure. But I wouldn't put a raw piece of pork in an oven just to heat up. You will get zero color. It'll look bland. It'll just be kind of unappetizing. But yeah, grill. My I suggest grill. Super high temperature. Get a good seasoning on there. Grill it, mark it, and then finish it in the oven or in a pan. You can do it in a cast iron, Andre, and then spend the next three hours cleaning it. <laughs> I was going to say, James, you know how I cook my pork chops? It's in the cast iron pan. <laughs> exactly. I do have a recommendation on this just because I, James and I talk about this often. My favorite cut to buy is the pork loin because, again, I'll buy a whole, 
I'll buy a whole loin. It's, I don't know, 10 pounds. You can really break it down in different cuts. And the wonderful thing is the anatomy of a pig and a cow are not all that different in one way or another. So when you think of like a cut of steak from a, a cow, that would be the ribeye or the New York strip. All of that exists on a pig, but it is a little bit leaner because it's a pig. It's a much smaller animal. But when you buy the pork loin, you do have certain cuts that are essentially like the pork ribeye and they are so delicious. And that's my favorite like cast iron cut. I'd say it's like a real easy season. I cook in the cast iron pan. It literally has like a little eye of fat and it's, it looks more like a dark meat piece because mm -hmm. I think it's closer to the, the shoulder. Yeah. It like tapers out to that like dark piece. Yeah. If you're cutting from the center of the whole loin, what, which would be probably they'd consider like the sirloin cut or a traditional pork chop. Even the, the, the texture of the meat itself is a little bit tighter than it is that ribeye cut that ribeye cuts a little bit looser and it just cooks so well. It's delicious. It's a good, it's a good, like real, in my opinion, it's a good starter, like 145 piece where I think even if you overcook it a little bit, it won't taste too bad. You'll still get a lot of the juice and moistness. <laughs> is moistness even a word moistness it is now it's now the the, it's the our official sponsored word for yoma's cooking cast <laughs> moistness yoma's this, this moistness episode cast. was brought to you by the word moistness moistness <laughs> you can get a deliciously moist piece of <laughs> of pork chop that's a ribeye cut and it's very good so I'm, I don't have a, a big smoker here at the house. I've got a little, you know, Weber kettle and every single time I've tried to do a pork butt, it does not turn out well because I can't regulate the temp very well on, on this. Mm -hmm. Am I going to like destroy, is it sacrilegious for me to cook a pork butt inside my house somehow? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You can, it's not sacrilegious, sacrilegious, but you can absolutely cook a pork butt in your house. My favorite way to do it is getting a moho. You can make it yourself or you can buy it the, the store-bought one's not too bad i would add salt to it but you marinate it overnight and then the next day much like the braising concept that we've talked about before mm -hmm. you want to submerge it about three quarters of the way in a pan deep enough to increase that liquid because there's you know going to be more liquid that's pulling out of the and fat out of, pulling out of the pork and then covering it and putting it in the oven at about 300 degrees for anywhere from three to seven hours depending on how big this pork is mm -hmm. And then at the end, taking it out and then putting your broiler setting on your oven to get like a reverse sear, as they like to say. Or you could do it the opposite way. Get the sear, put it in the moho, wrap it with foil, cook it low and slow in your oven too. And then it'll come out and just shred. It's, it's really, 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 really good. That's how I, before I got my smoker, that's how I would do my pulled pork in the oven. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I, I'm, you know, my wife's not a big fan of the smoke flavor which personally I'm fine with that because if I, she doesn't eat pork anyway, it's not that it makes a difference. But when she did eat pork, it was kind of a problem for me to make a big smoky pork butt because I would just eat six pounds of pork, which is not necessarily a problem, but it, you know, in one sitting, it's a little much. A lot of the people that are, a lot of the farms that have pigs have uh, had issues with sick pigs, sick hams, they call them, mm -hmm. but it's okay. They're all cured now. God, Jesus. How many of these are you going to hit me with in one episode? 
in next week's episode, folks, it's actually just going to be 30 minutes of dad jokes. <laughs> We're going to see how many we can squeeze in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we've talked a little bit about the pork butt, talked a little bit about a way that we can cook some of those leaner cuts. Anything else that you want us to be sent off with today before you tell us some other delicious ways that we can make pork? I think this is a good start. Again, we can talk about pork for hours and hours. I got another joke ready. <laughs> Two cowboys are lost in the desert. One cowboy sees a tree that's draped in bacon. A bacon tree. We're saved, he says. He runs to the tree and is shot up with bullets. It wasn't a bacon tree. It was a ham bush. Oh, Jesus. Jesus Christ. Did you, did you get that? A ham bush? Of course. All right. That was my last one. That's fine. It's the one I'm cutting, so it's perfect. <laughs> what an I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I think, I mean, I think we kind of covered the, the general aspect of pork uh, further down the line. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more specifics. We will drop some recipe ideas. Um, and then for the, our listeners, we do post quite a bit on our in- Instagram. We can post, we'll be posting pictures on, you know, how to cook these items, things that we have cooked in the house to show you what it should look like or what it can look like. Uh, so take a look at that at uh, Yoma's Cooking Cast on Instagram. Also, if you want to know about some other ways that you can cook pork or pretty much anything, or if you have some feedback, you want to hear more of James jokes, you want to contribute to our GoFundMe account so we can get James a goose egg. He's rolling his eyes at me right now. First you of all, can you do don't so. even have a link for one of those. Shut up. You can send us an email at yomascookingcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you are not already subscribed, hey, subscribe to us. We're on most podcast platforms. Make sure you guys continue to tune in. We're going to have another pork podcast in a couple of weeks. We'll go over some other ways that you can cook pork, some other different cuts. So thanks everybody for listening. Bye. Bye. You hear that? Is it digit? Gidget? Digit. No, it's Drake drinking water. Is that what that is? (laughs) Shut the f*** up, Drake! Stop drinking water! (laughs) You better go thirsty. I'm doing a podcast. Come on.